Hi guys, welcome back to Typically Peachy. I hope that everyone is having an amazing week. This week for me has been a short week, so I am just happy that I am close again to another weekend. I'm excited for this weekend. Me and my boyfriend have plans. We might go to the aquarium. I don't know if that sounds boring to some of you guys, but we happen to love the aquarium. And then we'll probably go out, see some friends, just hopefully some good weekend energy. This past weekend was not planned at all, which is why I ended up watching an incredible amount of content. Of course, I caught up on Euphoria, Lexi's play. Um, you guys, why is it so good? I cannot wait for part two of that. That is a play that I would legitimately see in real life. It is so entertaining. And just seeing how all of the characters are reacting, I feel like we've all been waiting for her play to come out. Very fun to watch, as always. There was a lot of other new content that I got into, which I will talk about in a bit. And then the only other thing that I really did this weekend was go to Nordstrom because a couple things. I wanted to check out the brand Pangaea, which I've talked to you guys about. It's a sustainable brand that does a lot of really great initiatives in very unique ways. They had a pop-up at Nordstrom, and I'm pretty sure that it goes until May. And there's a couple different locations that they're doing the pop-up but I wanted to go check it out for myself, so I did that. I will say the selection wasn't huge, so if I buy something else from them, I probably will still buy online. But regardless, it's really cool that Nordstrom carries them now. That's a huge step for the brand. And then another thing that I did at Nordstrom was pretty much everything else that I needed to get done this weekend. My alterations, changing my watch battery, tightening my sunglasses. They really do it all. I mean, for the sunglasses and the watch battery, it's because I bought both of those items at Nordstrom. But honestly, that's such a nice feature if you buy something there to be able to go in again and just have them repair anything or take care of any changes that need to take place. It's just nice to have a one-stop shop sometimes. Makes it very easy and convenient. That's pretty much all that's new with me, so let's get right into what's hot. And this week, the what's hot section is almost an intersection of what's hot and what's good because both of our stories this week have to do with popular content out right now that I thoroughly enjoyed watching this past weekend. This is what I was talking about, content overload, really came from these two main pieces of content which you will get in both of these stories. So first up is about the documentary that so many people are talking about, so many memes are circulating about this. It is about the Tinder Swindler, which if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. Crazy story for any of you that haven't watched it. I'll just give you a quick summary before I give you the what's hot news story out of this. A group of women who were the victims of a dating app-based swindler joined together in an attempt to hunt him down and recover the millions of dollars that were stolen from them. So this story was wild. Basically, it's just this guy that pretended to be super wealthy, and he would meet new women on Tinder, and he would take them out. He would show them how wealthy he was. He would tell them to meet him at fancy hotels for dinner. He took one girl on a private plane for their first official date. He would say all the right things. They would fall in love with him. He would tell them that people were out to get him, that he had these enemies, and that he needed to get away, and that if he used any of his own credit cards, they'd be able to track him. 
So then he would get these women to give him their credit cards. He would max out the credit cards but ask for more money so they would open loans for him. All because I guess they were very scared that something really bad was going to happen to him if he didn't get the money in time. But then with that money that he got from one woman, he would use that to pay for the luxuries that he was using on his next Tinder date. So it was just a cycle of essentially one woman paying for the next trip for another woman, all of these luxurious expenses without ever knowing where their money was going and thinking that he was in danger this whole time. And after all that, even though he was caught by the police, he had gone to jail previously, I guess. But then after all this came out, he was caught again and he only went to jail for five months. It's been estimated that he swindled around $10 million from people. So that's kind of a summary of the whole thing. But now, since this Netflix documentary has come out, Simon Lviv just gave his first interview. So let's hear a little bit more about how that went. According to Cosmopolitan.com, Simon Lviv, the subject of the Tinder swindler, has claimed the Netflix documentary is, quote, like a made-up movie and not based on facts. The true crime documentary alleges Simon is a con man who used the dating app to entice his victims before scamming them out of thousands of dollars by claiming he was in trouble. They claim he posed as a wealthy diamond company heir who would shower his date with gifts and affection before asking them to wire him money in emergency scenarios. Despite being arrested and charged with fraud-related crimes, at the end of the film, it was revealed that Simon is now living as a, quote, free man in Israel, seen continuing his luxury lifestyle with a new girlfriend. Now, Lviv, born Shimon Hayut, has spoken out about the tender swindler for the first time in an interview with Inside Edition. In it, he claims, quote, I was just a single guy that wanted to meet some girls on Tinder. In a second clip shared by Entertainment Weekly, he claims Netflix's doc was presented, quote, as a documentary in truth, but it's like a completely made-up movie. I am the biggest gentleman in the world. They call me the Tinder swindler. I am not a fraud and I am not a fake. People don't know me, so they can't judge me. I don't know, guys. I think people should watch the interview for themselves. I'm not sure that I'm believing this guy, but I do feel like what he allegedly did should be a bit criminal. And right now he's free, so I don't really know, and I don't really have enough actual factual details to know. I think we're going to see more and more about this, and the fact that he's now speaking up has his girlfriend by his side, he's no longer hiding from any of this. It's gonna make things, in my opinion, very interesting across the board. We'll see that if now this has so much press coverage about it, if it will open up more of a legal case, because right now, a lot of it is just marked as allegedly. So I'm sure we will see one way or the other. If you haven't heard about the Tinder swindler, check out the documentary for yourself on Netflix. If nothing else, it is short of two hours of entertainment for you. Moving into our next story, which has a bit of similarities to the first, talking about extreme wealth, and specifically people that allegedly don't come for money, pretend that they come for money, and then take money from people in order to maintain their luxury lifestyle. What is with this theme right now, you guys? I feel like it is everywhere. This story 
is the one of Anna Delvey. And I will get into the what's hot portion in a second, but if anybody does not know anything about Anna Delvey or the new Netflix show that resurfaced her story, this show is a piece of content that I definitely binged this weekend. Took up a lot of time, definitely worth it. It is called Inventing Anna, again on Netflix. Interesting lane Netflix, very interesting lane, but I'm kind of here for it. This is a mini-series. Here's a short summary. A journalist investigates the case of Anna Delvey, the Instagram legendary heiress who stole the hearts and money of New York elites. I very much remember when all of this was coming out about Anna Delvey, the story of a 25-year-old who pretty much made herself into a socialite that was able to live and an incredibly expensive life by essentially scamming people into thinking that she was super rich, even though it was a huge mystery as to where her money was coming from. She said that she had a lot of family money, but then she also couldn't pay for her hotel stays. But she was also able to put herself in the most exclusive rooms with some of the richest people in New York, was attempting to start her own company, but fell short on it. But still, a ton of people, very influential people, and also banks, really believed in this girl. It's a pretty incredible story, whichever way you lean on it, whether you feel like she's a genius or you feel like she's just a complete fraud, it's definitely one that will keep you intrigued. So this show about her, it is fictional, but it does have a lot of the actual storyline in it. But in order to make sure that we actually know the truth about this story, Time.com has an article about the true story behind Netflix's Inventing Anna. They write, Each episode of Netflix's limited series Inventing Anna begins with a disclaimer, This whole story is completely true, except for all the parts that are totally made up. It's a tongue-in-cheek warning to viewers that fact-checking Shonda Rhimes' latest show for the streamer won't be easy. But anyone who has heard of Anna Delvey, nay, Sororkin, probably already knows that. In 2018, New York Magazine broke the internet with journalist Jessica Pressler's story about an alleged German heiress who was accused of stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars from banks, financial institutions, and her friends between the years of 2013 and 2017 in hopes of launching a members-only club called the Anna Delvey Foundation. Turns out, Sororkin was really a Russian-born, German-raised scam queen who somehow fooled New York's super rich and powerful to bow down to her to the tune of more than $275,000. Her parents told New York Magazine that despite their daughter's claims, there was no trust fund to speak of, and Delvey was not a family name. The story of Sororkin's spectacular grift quickly turned the fake German heiress into a scammer that the internet either loved to hate or hated to love. She was a folk hero, for those who felt the wealthy never paid their share, or for others, an example of millennial malaise at its worst. Despite being convicted in 2019 on eight counts, including three counts of grand larceny and one count of attempted grand larceny, Sororkin continues to claim that her plans for the Anna Delvey Foundation were entirely legit. She told the New York Times in 2019, I'd be lying to you and to everyone else and to myself if I said I was sorry for anything. 
I regret the way I went about certain things. Sir Rorkin has been in the custody of the Immigration Customs and Enforcement Agency for overstaying her visa since March 2020, following her release from prison one month earlier. Some more about the show. Inventing Anna is inspired by Pressler's extensive reporting. She is also an executive producer on the nine-episode series. The show follows journalist Vivian. This stylish drama attempts to tell Sororkin's story through the eyes of those who knew her, or thought they did. Netflix reportedly paid Sororkin $320,000 to adapt her life into a TV show, which she told Insider she does not plan to watch. Inventing Anna skillfully shows how Anna, a German-accented Julia Garner, was able to take everyone under her spell. Anna is portrayed as a visionary genius with a knack for business, but the show doesn't deny that she was also a liar, manipulator, and all-out hustler. Time.com also shares the fun fact that Pressler also wrote the article that inspired Jennifer Lopez's 2019 film, Hustlers. This journalist, I guess, just finds stories that are incredibly entertaining. This article then goes on to give examples about what they got right or right-ish, depending on what you believe. So I will quickly read a couple of them. But guys, there is so much to this story, it would take all day to go through everything. I will say before I read a couple of these that this is definitely a show that once you start watching it, you just want to go and read so much more about it everywhere you can. And like I said, I remember when this was actually happening in real time. So it's kind of funny to now get a show so close to when that did happen, which obviously is happening more and more. These streaming platforms are churning out content pretty much in real time. It's really insane. As soon as a story like this is out, you better believe somebody's going to pick it up and it's going to be put on our screens shortly after. And this story, let's be honest, it was begging for a show. All right, back to the Times article. I'll just read a couple. One of the questions, if it's real or if it's false, did Anna Delvey pretend to be her family's alleged business manager, Peter W. Henneke? Time.com writes, as Garner's Anna inches closer to getting her loan for the Anna Delvey Foundation, viewers are introduced to her family's business manager, Peter Henneke. Well, we never see him, but we hear his calm, cool, and collected voice in long-distance phone calls from Germany, swearing to Anna's bankers that the wire transfer he sent would come through any day now. The show later reveals that Anna created Mr. Henneke as part of the scam, using a virtual SIM card to clone a German number and a cheap voice-changing app to disguise her voice. The real story of Henneke might be even more bizarre. In 2018, New York Magazine reported that Henneke's cell phone number, quote, belonged to a now-defunct burner phone from a supermarket. Anna was also probably the one who had been writing emails from Henneke's AOL address, an odd choice for someone in 2018, but especially someone working for UBS, the world's largest private bank. Later, when emails to Henneke started bouncing back, Sororkin claimed that he had died. Peter passed away last month, she wrote, in correspondence with her business partners, according to New York Magazine. Please refrain from contacting or mentioning any communication with him going forward. Following the loss of her supposed accountant, she introduced her family's new advisor, Benita Wagner, who was also believed to be a figment of Sororkin's imagination. 
During her closing arguments, prosecutor Catherine McCaw revealed, according to Rolling Stone, that Sororkin created fake email addresses for Benita by googling, quote, send untraceable fake emails, and quote, non-existent email that is not going to bounce back. Guys, the Google searches never lie. That is insane. Another question that Time.com clears up, did Anna Delvey steal a jet? Viewers may think steal is too strong of a word for what Anna did. Gardner's Anna requests a private jet to take her to Omaha for billionaire businessman Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway's conference by pretending she was friends with the jet company's CEO. Anna is basically able to walk onto a jet without paying, no questions asked. Sororkin really did convince workers for Blade, an app used by the rich and famous to book private planes to, quote, charter her a $350,000 jet to Omaha by sending them a forged confirmation for a wire transfer, according to Pressler's New York Magazine article. Like her on-screen counterpart, the real Anna claimed to know Blade's CEO, Rob Weisenthal, whom she had met at the popular New York City night spot Soho House, which is why she wasn't required to pay before boarding. Kathleen McCormick, the former CFO of Blade, testified in 2019 according to the Rolling Stone and said, We've let people slide in the past, quite frankly, and they've paid. She also said that because Weisenthal, quote, had briefly socially run into her, and him knowing Sororkin through those circles, we felt she was good for payment, so we booked her for the flight. Following McCormick's testimony, Spodak told Rolling Stone that in his opinion, Sororkin didn't steal a jet. Her free ride was merely a case of quid pro quo. He said they believed she was some German heiress. They believed she was some trendsetter who was going to Instagram it up, and they gave her the plane. That one is kind of a tricky one in my opinion. It seems like they should have done their due diligence and had her pay beforehand to ensure that the payment was actually going to be there. But also, she was definitely never going to pay, so I don't know. That's like so many of these things. I am glad that I was not on that jury, to be completely honest with you guys. And the last one that I'm going to read, and this one I find very interesting because it has to do with fashion. The question that Time.com answers... Did Anna Delvey hire a professional stylist for her court appearances? In preparation for her trial, Gardner's Anna enlists a style friend of Neff's to help her look like a, quote, HBIC, but also young and coquette. In real life, Sororkin's personal dresser, a close friend of the real Neff, was more of a rocker at heart. In 2018, GQ revealed that Sororkin was being dressed by Anastasia Walker a stylist whose celebrity clients included Courtney Love, Madonna, and g Easy. In an email to GQ, Spodek justified hiring the stylist by explaining that it was, quote, imperative that Anna dress appropriately for the trial. Anna's style was a driving force in her business and life, and it is a part of who she is. I want the jury to see that side of her. Walker told Elle that she consulted with Sororkin over the phone, she said, I couldn't show her photographs, but as people interested in fashion, we spoke in references about the themes she wanted to come through in her outfits. I selected some timeless pieces given that everything is so public today, and trial photographs can be saved potentially forever. Why did Walker agree to help Sororkin? She said, because of our mutual friend Neff. 
I'm also happy to help. I love what I do. If it works and I can make it happen, then why not? She also confirmed to Elle that she had been paid for her work. The Anna Delvey Court Looks Instagram account kept track of everything Sororkin wore in court, outfits which reportedly included pieces from Miu Miu, Victoria Beckham, and St. Laurent. As for where the high-end looks came from, Spodek told the New York Times in 2018 that his client's clothes had been, quote, borrowed on her behalf via a secret benefactor. It is yet to be revealed who footed the bill for Sororkin's wardrobe. Very interesting. Somebody was on that girl's side and wanted her to look fabulous in the courtroom. Such an interesting story. So much is being resurfaced again about all of this. And honestly, it kept me incredibly entertained throughout the whole weekend, trying to fact check things for myself, find all the articles, hear other people's opinions, craziness, and the idea that she was my age when this all went down. The thing about her that's so complicated is that you do kind of want to root for her because she's this young woman who seems, quote, self-made, especially if she didn't come from any money. But that doesn't mean you can just take money from other people. Some people may say that she was incredibly creative about how she got the money. But at the end of the day, it is now proven that a lot of what she did was very illegal. You know, so it's kind of a weird feeling, feeling like you did want her to succeed, but also recognizing that so much of what she did was wrong. A lot of thoughts going on in my head when I was watching this, and still after. I'm gonna let it ruminate a little bit more. I'll let you guys know if any epiphanies come from any of this as I think about it. I wonder if this is gonna be a thing that we just keep getting more and more about this particular story because I would not be surprised if there's a movie, if there's a follow-up. Either way, I have to say I'm kinda here for it. If you have not watched this show yet, highly recommend. That's it for what's hot. Let's get into what's good. And like I said, a lot of what was in the what's hot section also makes a lot of sense for what's good because I would recommend watching both of those pieces of content. As I mentioned, both are on Netflix. Check them out. But aside from content, I have two items that I got at Nordstrom this week that I have to share with you guys. Both are from the brand Reformation. The first one is a top and it's so cute. It's a long sleeve. The sleeves are ever so slightly puffed. Very, very slightly. It's so chic. The only thing that it says on the tag is tapioca. So I don't know if that's what the shirt is called or if they're using that to describe the color. But basically the color of the top is cream and it has these big green polka dots all over it. So unique. I love it. And the second item is a dress. And this one, the only thing that it has on it is called paprika. Again, I feel like that's the color and not the style. It's this reddish-orange color, long sleeve, has a little slit. So precious. I'm obsessed with this too. Both of these items are the cover image for this episode, so if you want to see what they look like, check them out on the Instagram, at typicallypeachy. I just really love them both so much, and I love Reformation. They're truly pieces that just feel like they're going to stay in your closet forever. And not only that, they're sustainable. On all of their tags, they have a very cute, cheeky line that says, Being naked is the number one most sustainable option. We're number two. So cute, right? And they're actually a brand that has cute, sustainable clothes, which I feel like is so often my frustration. I want to shop sustainably. I'm always looking for really great options. 
But I also love fashion, you guys. I want it to be cute. I want it to be my style. And they definitely hit the mark. And I will say that I got both of these items from Nordstrom on sale. So I would check out Nordstrom for yourself. See if there are more sales for Reformation or other brands like it. Such fun pieces to add to my closet. I cannot wait to wear them. Next up for what's good. Speaking of sustainability, sustainable products. I just bought some new metal straws with a straw cleaner. I feel like previously I've just been putting my reusable straws in the dishwasher and I didn't really think about the fact that you should probably really be washing inside of your straws because the dishwasher is not really going to do that very thoroughly. So I bought this little kit. It's called the Straw Kit. It's by the brand United by Blue, which is such a cool company. I just heard of them. I was walking by the store. Some things caught my eye, so I went right in. And then I found a new brand to love, so I thought I would share it with you guys. Not only are their products made ethically, any paper that they use on their products to say the product's name or anything like that or the description, it's printed on 100% recycled paper. And then one of the biggest things about this company is that for every product purchased, United by Blue removes one pound of trash from oceans and waterways. So really cool, a small way to be a part of a bigger initiative. I love brands like this, makes you feel good about your purchase. And why would you not want that? You know, you should feel good when you're shopping, not just because you get something new, but because you're also doing good. It's just a really cool added bonus, you know? If you want to purchase any products from this brand or just find out more about them, you can go to unitedbyblue.com or on Instagram at unitedbyblue. Last up for what's good, your song. Just one this week called Ride With Me by Tongue Vag featuring Kid Ink. As always, you can find it on our playlist, Typically Peachy, What's Good on Spotify. Alright guys, rounding out this podcast with a need-to-know basis, and need-to-know basis was very much inspired by the What's Good section this week. Adding these products that I was talking about, and even just talking through the fact that they're sustainable brands, but also just as a consumer, to purchase them. What I was saying about feeling good, not just because you have a new item, but because you're also participating in the broader thing of doing good, it's awesome. It's a really good feeling to shop sustainably, to make sustainable choices, to be a conscious consumer. And why I wanted to talk about this is because I feel like a lot of times people are very much in the mindset that it has to be all or nothing, like you're only shopping sustainably and ethically or else you don't care about any of it. Ideally, I would love to shop more and more sustainably, but that's the thing. Just do it more and more. It's just about doing a little bit better. I don't think that we always have to think about it in these extremes because then it feels very daunting to even make a start to be conscious about it. And after a while, those small choices make you want to carry that through with the bigger ones. Say you purchase this Reformation dress over this other dress, and that makes you want to get a sustainable pair of shoes to go with them. I do really think that it's a snowball effect, but more than that, I think that it's just about starting somewhere, practicing some of those habits of shopping sustainably, and also doing research. There are brands out there. Unfortunately, it is not the vast majority of brands, 
which does make it hard as a consumer. Trust me, I fully am aware of that. If you guys want some initial suggestions on brands, check out episode 34. I went pretty in-depth with some brands there, but I will try to seek out more and more. And as more of these bigger retailers are taking on bigger initiatives of making the clothing that they're selling sustainable and ethical, it will become easier as a consumer. And a lot of these retailers are doing that. A lot of them have done pledges to make the majority of the brands that they sell sustainable. And that is a great start. And like I said, the start is what it's about. So start it for yourself too. And again, check out Typically Peachy's Instagram because you guys will see how cute these two products are. And they're going to make you want to shop sustainably too. So I'm going to try to do better. I will not be perfect. If you want to do the same, be better but not perfect with me. Please, the more, the merrier. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you have a great rest of your week. I hope that you are gearing up for the weekend, doing something fun, or just taking the two days to have some much-needed relaxation time. Say something nice to a stranger. Check out all that new content out right now. Practice conscious consuming. And don't forget to stay peachy, my friends. Yeah.